Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's up, everybody? It's Chris Russell here, Locked On Redskins. Good to have you with us. Coming up shortly, a crossover Wednesday edition with Patricia Trana of Locked On Giants. But first, we want to tell you, congratulations to Tressway. He makes his first ever NFC Pro Bowl squad coming up in Orlando at the end of January. He's the starting punter for the NFC squad as well. Brandon Sheriff picked uh, as a member of the team. That's his third straight selection. We'll have news on him in just a sec. Uh, also, Landon Collins was an alternate, as was Matt Ioannidis. That's it for the Redskins list. Hey, what do you expect for a three-win team? Also this, the Redskins put Brandon Sheriff, Trey Quinn, and Jimmy Moreland on injured reserve on Tuesday, and they signed uh, three players. We'll have details for you on the next Locked on Redskins podcast about that. Coming up, Patricia Trana, Locked on Giants, as we go inside Big Blue and the Burgundy and Gold right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. If you're looking for a last-minute fun sports gift for the holidays, go to BreakingTea.com slash Locked On. Breaking Tea makes sports t-shirts around teams' passion moments. Great for all fans. Go to BreakingTea.com slash Locked On, and then feel free to search the site for great shirts and fun sports gifts. Also, if you're... also, if you're a Spotify listener, use Spotify Wrapped to show us your top Locked On podcast for the year. Take a screenshot, tag us at Locked On Live or and at WrestleMania six two one on Twitter, and we will share and retweet. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days that you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up, fellas. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. They're chewable. They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. If you could benefit from a little more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online by licensed physicians, so you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy, and it ships right to your door in a discreet package. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E Chew.com. Promo code Locked On to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Hey, welcome back, Giant fans, to the crossover segment of the Lockdown Giants podcast. And a big welcome to the Washington Redskins fans who are joining us for the program. It is the crossover segment, as I said, between the Giants and Washington. And who better to break Washington down than none other than the famous Chris Russell, host of the Lockdown Redskins. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. It's more like the infamous, Patricia. I don't know about the <laughs> But uh, always good to be with you, my friend, and uh, happy holidays to you and your listeners. Same to you and your listeners. And, Chris, 
We have a, a game down in Washington between two teams that are probably, I, I think the outcome is going to be more about jockeying for draft position. I mean, what's the mood down in Washington right now? What's your sense of where their heads are? Are they going to be trying to win this game? Or are they more concerned with getting that ideal draft position? Well, I would say this. It, it depends on who you're talking to. If you're talking to Bill Callahan, if you're talking to the players, they don't give one rats you know what about draft positioning they want to win and they act like it and they hold um you know they they, they their effort uh i guess maybe not their execution but their effort certainly suggests every bit of that they don't care at all about um you know about draft positioning not only do they not care about that they care very much or at least callahan does about a divisional win which the redskins have not had trisha in eight consecutive opportunities. The last division win actually was at MetLife Stadium late last October 2018 for the Redskins. They're 0-8 since that divisional win, and Giant fans might remember that was a close game. Adrian Peterson then busted off a 64-yard touchdown late in that game, part of a three-game winning streak for the Washington, um, and that was it. That was their last time, so it's very important for them to break this eight-game streak uh, and get a win, even though if you talk to media, fans, and everyone, you know, that's on the, I believe, correct side, a win is more damaging than a loss. Yeah, it, I mean, it's never, you know, it's never a good situation when you have to obviously pick and choose here. But, you know, I don't know very many athletes who would play to lose just for the sake of helping their draft status. Now, let's talk a little bit more in depth about the situation Washington is in. They they currently have Bill Callahan as their interim head coach. There's been some grumbling that maybe Urban Meyer might be the next head coach, that maybe Bruce Allen is going to be on his way out. What is the latest there as far as the front office is concerned? Well, so it's interesting as we record this, um, you know, and I know this is for crossover Wednesday. So as, as fans listen to this, it'll now be one day in the rear. Uh, Tuesday was the 10 year anniversary of Bruce Allen's hiring, uh, to replace Vinny Serrato, who might, you know, Giants fans might remember as a longtime uh, NFL executive and some around here would certainly call him, refer to him as a buffoon. Uh, he, he, um, uh, he never got back into the NFL. Um, and, and people thought, well, that, you know, that was a great, great hiring and a great decision by Dan Snyder. And here, 10 years later, they've lost a hundred games, 100 games under the, including the playoffs under the leadership of Bruce Allen. So clearly, as you could imagine, there is nobody seemingly but Dan Snyder and maybe some of Bruce's family that wants him to remain in control of the Washington Redskins. Again, their average record over his 10 years is six and 10, and they've only had two playoff appearances. They were both division titles, uh, but only two playoff appearances. So you have that situation. And then combined with that, of course, as you mentioned, Bill Callahan, who replaced Jay Gruden in early October, who was fired after five uh, plus years uh, on the job as Redskins head coach. And, you know, he lasted a lot longer than anybody thought he was going to. Uh, they are very, very, very different coaches with very different philosophies. They did not see eye to eye on a lot of things from what I understand, Patricia. Um, so it has been a, I would say a culture change um, as much as you can get one during the middle of a season here. Callahan works his guys harder. 
He's more physical in practice, more demanding on them. He pays more attention to the little things. They've cut down their penalties significantly. They have referees and officials at practice every single day. These things are very important to Bill Callahan. And as a result, you know, the team's not good under him. They're three and six, but they're a lot better than they actually were under Jay Gruden, which was 0 and 5. Okay. Now, what about the trickle down effect to the roster? I mean, you have Dwayne Haskins as a, as a young quarterback. How has all this dysfunction affected him? Do you think? Um, you know, listen, anytime you go through a coaching change, a head coaching change, and let's not also forget a, a play caller change because Jay Gruden was calling the plays and Kevin O'Connell, who is widely thought of former NFL quarterback as being you know, potentially, potentially the next Sean McVay, um, you know, the next Matt LaFleur type, you know, a young, smart, good communicator, um, backup quarterback type who's been in a lot of different systems. He schooled under Chip Kelly um, and under Sean McVay a little bit and uh, um, you know, under Jay Gruden and so on and so forth. Um, he became the play caller when Gruden was fired. Now, of course, as we know, just because you're the play caller doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want to do. He had a heavy influence, of course, from Bill Callahan, who was promoted uh, to be the head coach. So Dwayne, you know, has been through, again, two head coaches. He's been through two play callers. He's had to kind of develop this relationship with all of these people. He got off to a really slow start. I don't think he took it as seriously because he knew he wasn't Jay Gruden's guy. I'm sure I know we talked about this leading into the week four game. Dwayne actually played for the first time. In the NFL, that particular game against the New York Giants and obviously did not fare well because he wasn't prepared. He's significantly more prepared now. He started the last, uh, what was it? Uh, the last seven games. Uh, the, yeah, last seven games, uh, for the Redskins, Patricia. And he had his best game by four as a pro on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles. He was accurate on first down. He was accurate overall. He didn't get sacked. Those were huge things that he had had a major problem with. So right now, long answer, it looks like he's getting more and more comfortable every week. Now, the Giants and Washington haven't seen each other since, I believe it was week four of this season. How much have Washington changed over that time period? And have they changed for the better or for the worse, in your opinion? Yeah, and, and you know, again, as we were talking about, when we went into that game, Case Keenum started, and he was kind of on a bad wheel because he had been hurt the Monday night game before the Giant game, and he was inaccurate, overthrowing people wide. Jay Gruden pulled him, he said, because he was injured, not because he was bad, but because he was injured. Uh, I would say he was injured and bad, whatever. And again, Haskins came in, so, you know, uh, obviously you have a different starting quarterback now, one with much more experience than he had when he came in in relief. There's no question who the starter is uh, as of this point, uh, and obviously a different head coach. Now, I would also point out that Terry McLaurin, the Redskins' top receiver, did not play in that game. He's at uh, right around 830 yards in his rookie year with all this instability on the offense. Um, one other major change that I, I would say that, you know, the Redskins have on offense, you know, we don't know about Brandon Sheriff at this point. 
Um, he missed last week's game. He was in New York earlier this week getting a medical evaluation on his elbow and shoulder, so he might not play. And one other thing that I'd just like to touch on, the Redskins have been able to bring along other young receivers, um, like Steven Sims out of the slot, who's going to give the Giants a lot of problems with his speed. Uh, they targeted him 11 times last week, Patricia, uh, in the, in the loss over the Eagles and as well, Kevin Hart, Kelvin Harmon, the sixth round pick, uh, out of NC State. They don't have any tight ends to worry about. Both Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis are down. So again, they changed a lot on offense just since that week four game, but I do think it's overall for the good. What about on the defensive side of the ball? What, if anything, has changed there? Yeah, so the biggest change from week four and from earlier in the year is Josh Norman. Josh Norman has been benched. He's been sent to the Chateau Bow Wow. Uh, he can't um, really play even with all the injuries that they've had. And they've had a bunch of injuries at the corner position. He did get in for a couple of plays last week against the Philadelphia Eagles. And ironically enough, Gave up the game-winning touchdown in the last minute of the game. So um, we don't know about Quentin Dunbar's status. As of this point, he missed last week. Um, also, rookie Jimmy Moreland was banged up. He was in a walking boot after Sunday's game. Don't know about his status. Uh, so the Redskins have had a lot of issues at that particular spot. I would think Josh Norman, I know he's going to be active. I would think he's going to play a little bit. And if he's in there... That is one area that the New York Giants absolutely have to attack. That's the biggest change uh, on defense. I would say everything else outside of Ryan Kerrigan, who went on IR and has been banged up the last couple of weeks, is pretty much the same. Uh, Ryan Anderson and first-round rookie Montez Sweat are kind of manning the starting spots at outside edge linebacker. I was just going to ask you, in the past, Ryan Kerrigan has just been a thorn in the Giants' side. How big of a loss is that for for the Washington yeah, I mean, it's a significant loss based on his past. Um, this year, he was not having a great year, Patricia. I mean, he, you know, um, I think his final numbers were five sacks or maybe it was four and a half sacks. Um, you know, and, and again, he, he had not missed a game up until a couple of weeks ago against, uh, the Carolina Panthers in his first 139 games of his NFL career. He came back for that game against uh, the Green Bay Packers a week and a half ago that eliminated the Redskins in a tight loss and popped his calf there and now is going to miss the final, uh, the, the, the final three games of this year again put on IR. So, you know, ultimately, I mean, I, I would say normally it's a significant loss. However, Ryan Kerrigan, who had had 13 sacks in each of the last two years before this one, was not having a great year by any stretch for him and by any definition. And then on top of that, again, he was already banged up. So the Redskins are getting an opportunity to see two younger guys that they've been trying to get on track. And it certainly seems to be paying dividends the last couple of weeks. And finally, you know, this is a game that, again, probably more at stake in terms of the draft order than anything. But how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, I mean, Here's what I would say. I think this is the Redskins best chance to, to, to win one of these, you know, final two games. I, I, I think, you know, maybe Dallas will be locked up a week from now. Who knows? We'll, we'll deal with that next week. Um, I think the Redskins are going to be able to move the football against this Giants defense. I, I think I'm sure you've talked about that uh, ad nauseum and we'll talk about it in a little bit. 
Um, so I think the Redskins are going to be able to move the football. Of course, you know, again, they don't have Darius guys, but Adrian Peterson is still going fairly strong. Um, the question for me will be, can they handle, you know, the, the, the talent, quite honestly, at wide receiver that the Red, that the Giants have that, you know, they're used to, used to see an Odell Beckham. Well, remember, they didn't have Golden Tate in that first game. Uh, and now Slayton has really come along, uh, and performed pretty well. And we'll talk to you about that. But I, I again, I think that's going to be the real challenge for them. Uh, can they control those guys? If they can't, they're going to lose. If they can do a reasonably decent job against them and, you know, limit everything else, you know, I, I probably think the Giants, uh, the Redskins win, you know, a high 20s type of game on both teams. I don't, I don't think it'll be a blowout by any means. I think it'll probably be a back and forth high 20s type game. He is Chris Russell. He is the host of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Chris, thank you so much for the insight on Washington. Folks, stay tuned. When we come back after the break, we're going to flip the page, and I'm going to talk Giants with Chris. So we'll be right back after this. All right, guys. The original Casper mattress combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amounts of both sink and bounce. Get $100 towards select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash locked NFL. Use the promo code locked NFL at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. If you can't visit Casper right now, you can find this and all other offers from Locked On Sponsors at LockedOnPodcast.com slash offers. Welcome back to Crossover Wednesday right here on Locked On Giants, Locked On Redskins. I'm Chris Russell along with Patricia Trainer, who rejoins us now. Of course, you can follow Patricia on Twitter at Patricia underscore Trainer. At Patricia underscore Trana, she covers the New York Giants for various publications, not only Locked on Giants, but also uh, SI Maven and various other outlets. So make sure you follow her great work on the New York Giants. And Patricia, uh, we talked uh, about the state of affairs for the Redskins in our last segment together. Let's get to it. Uh, it was an emotional day at MetLife the other day. Eli, not his best performance, obviously, three interceptions. But a win for the New York Giants, and it was an emotional scene uh, in the locker room. As far as we sit here right now and understand that the week hasn't really developed yet in terms of practice, is it your expectation that Eli Manning is the likely starter, the guaranteed starter, or the maybe starter going into this game against the Giants, uh, against the Redskins? I think maybe is the answer. Um, as you said, as we record this, it is Tuesday, the players' days off. But Pat Shermer, the head coach, has said that if Daniel Jones is ready, he will go right back in the starting lineup. Now, what does Jones need to show in order to get that starting nod? He's going to need to obviously be able to run around, take his full reps in practice, and most importantly, he needs to push off of that right foot that he's injured. Now, we watched him a little bit during warm-ups before last weekend's game. Wasn't really able to push off that foot, but as I said at the time, you know, that was Sunday. They have a full six, seven days before they have to play again. A lot can happen over that time period. So the hope and expectation is that Jones will be back, whether it's this week, whether it's next week, but at some point he will be back before the end of the season. And you uh, just, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but your sense is that's the right decision, of course, because he is the quarterback of the future. And even though these games don't necessarily mean something, you'd like to see the kid come back from injury and see 
maybe how it affects his mechanics, maybe how it affects his rhythm or how he deals with it? Or do you think that it would be a safer, wiser decision to exercise caution and not put him out there? You know, I'm actually kind of torn about that. On one hand, I agree with what you just said. But on the other hand, my concern is, is Jones's game is based on him moving around. And I, the last thing I think anybody wants to see is him come back and then that injury be, is made worse and now he needs surgery in the off season and that cuts into his, you know, his pre, his off season work that he has to do his training. So there's two ways of looking at it. I tend to fall on the play it safe mode because that's just how I am. I'm naturally conservative. And I would say, you know, look, if he's not even close to 100%, why risk him? It's not like he's going to have to compete for the starting job next year. It's not like Eli Manning is going to be back next year. But um, I could also see the benefit of him coming back and, and trying to play through that because, as as you said, there will be times when he's going to have to overcome adversity. And this is probably one of the biggest forms of adversity that he can he can experience at this stage in his career. Patricia Trena with us. Um, we mentioned in the last segment that, that Golden Tate was suspended for that first matchup with the Redskins. So they didn't see him and the Giants put a whooping, uh, you know, uh, on, on Washington. And if memory serves me, Saquon Barkley wasn't even available, uh, for that game unless I'm, <laughs> unless I'm not remembering something, uh, Roger Clemens style here. Um, so, so the, the Giants put a whooping on the, on the Redskins. And now they, you know, I don't want to say they're significantly healthier, but they're healthier um, or expected to have more options available. Is is that something that Giants fans can kind of look forward to in terms of uh, possibly exposing uh, the Redskins corners, which I mentioned were a concern heading into this game? Or is that like a eh, it doesn't really matter. We want them to lose because of, again, draft positioning. Well, I, I don't think you're going to hear anybody from the Giants say that, oh, we have to lose because we have to make sure that we have the best draft pick. I mean, and, and quite frankly, that's that's a position where I guess as a former, you know, high school sports player, you know, I played softball as a kid and, and through high school. And anytime anybody suggested tanking for whatever reason to get an advantage, I, it just went against everything I stood for because, you know, I, I knew how much work we put into practices and games and preparation. So, but with that said, I mean, your, first of all, your memory's correct. Saquon Barkley did not play in that first game against Washington back in week four, nor did Golden Tate, who was finishing up the, um, the, the suspension. This week, you know, if you're a Giant fan, you know, Saquon Barkley has started to look more like himself the last few weeks. And he had a big, big game um, last weekend against the Dolphins. So that's a positive. Now, unfortunately for whoever the quarterback is, they're not going to have a full um, complement of of, uh, offensive skill players available. As tight end Evan Ingram was placed on IR, actually just before we started to record this, the announcement was made. So just, um, you know, the Giants offense last week, and and I know it was against the Dolphins, and they're not a very good team, but hey, they get paid to show up and do their job as well. And, um, you know, they had been playing a little bit better of late, but the Giants had probably their most complete game last week against the Dolphins. Now, will that transfer over against Washington? That remains to be seen that, you know, on paper, you would think that would be the case, but 
as I have learned with this team, expect the unexpected. <laughs> well, I think we can say that for both of our football teams that we cover. Um, you never quite know exactly what you're going to get, as you mentioned. Patricia Trana with us uh, as part of Crossover Wednesday here uh, for Locked On Giants, Locked On Redskins. Um, so tell me about the defense because, uh, you know, we've, of course, spent, you know, a, a bunch of time on offense and I think both teams have some weapons to be, I guess, concerned about. Let's put it that way, uh, for each other's defense. But how has this defense kind of developed through the year? I know it was a very young defense. I know they've had some issues at corner. Why don't you take me through and give me a, I guess, a big picture snapshot of what you're seeing out of this, uh, uh, big blue wrecking crew that maybe is not so much of a wrecking crew. Yeah, it's been a long time since you could call them the big blue wrecking crew. I mean, that you're going back to the 70s and 80s, well, actually the 80s. But, uh, yeah, the Giants, as as uh, I think everybody knows by now, they decided to get rid of Janoris Jenkins after the unfortunate incident on social media. Um, they have basically turned the page, and they are going with the youth movement. They have two young corners, Sam Beal, who is in his second year, but who is technically still kind of like a rookie because he missed all of last year. Uh, DeAndre Baker, who is, by the way, played better these last few weeks. He has been more solid um, in coverage and whatnot. Um, at, at the slot, they have Corey Ballantyne, who has had some injury issues, but he was back last week. At times, he's been picked on and struggled as he continues to learn that position. And Julian Love, who is uh, who, who has taken over for Jabril Peppers, who landed on IR. Julian Love has been playing that free safety spot. So it's a very, very young defense. Defensive secondary, but a lot of promise in that group. Um, I, I'm not going to say that they have totally clicked yet because they haven't. But based on last week, and again, I, I get it. It was the Dolphins, but the Dolphins, you know, they have Devontae Parker, who's, you know, certainly a good receiver. But last week, the Giants' young defensive secondary played probably better than I would say anybody expected, and that was certainly an encouraging development. So I'm very curious to see how they do against, you know, McLaurin, who I, I don't believe was active for the first meeting between the two teams, and just basically how they do against, you know, I, I, I'm assuming it's going to be Haskins who gets the start. So it should be a pretty even field, I would think. Oh, yeah. And Dwayne Haskins is no doubt about it. Uh, the, the starter. And you're right about McLaurin, as we, uh, you know, kind of mentioned last segment, you know, that game in week four, very different. And this is what is, I guess, concerning, you know, for me is uh, from a Redskins perspective is that the Giants whooped up on uh, the Redskins in that particular game again without Saquon Barkley, without Golden Tate. And Daniel Jones was only in a second start. And and Redskins fans probably remember this more than Giants fans. Remember, without Odell Beckham last year, the Redskins uh, hosted the Giants and the Giants just absolutely ambushed them. So, you know, maybe this is setting up, I guess, based on history and based on whatever uh, recent and not so recent history uh, as a as a potential uh, Giants win, even though it's at Washington. Um, I, I guess one more you know thing that obviously we have to address and finish up because we talked about Bruce Allen and Bill Callahan on my side is the future of the Redskins, of the, of the Giants head coach and, uh, Pat Shermer and as well Dave Gettleman. Is it your sense that both are gone, one are gone or none are gone? You know, that's an interesting question. I would be stunned if Pat Shermer is back next year. I think, you know, even though they won, 
against Miami. You can't discount what has happened before that. And I have often said that Shermer was in part a victim of the coaching staff he hired, which, you know, you can make the argument that he didn't get everybody he wanted because he was hired so late by the Giants because of circumstances. But I just don't see, you know, unless I'm overlooking something, I'm not sure there's growth in Shermer as a head coach. A lot of the same mistakes that we saw from him when, when he was with Cleveland, a lot of the same issues and whatnot. And you just have to wonder, you know, you look at this Giants team, and I don't think you can honestly say that this is a three-win team. I think they should have won a lot more games. You know, I'm not saying they were a playoff-bound team, but they definitely should have won a few more games that they lost. As far as Dave Gettleman goes, that's interesting because I don't think, first of all, I don't think a decision's been made by ownership yet. I, I, I truly believe they're not going to make a decision, you know, until they're in the same room together. And, my, you know, I don't believe that has happened yet. But here's the thing with Gettleman. I think maybe he gets another year, but I would not be stunned if maybe they, they say to him, okay, you know what? We're going to give you not an assistant per se, that's probably not the right term, but maybe they bring somebody on board, kind of like what they did a few years ago with Jerry Reese when he was the GM. They brought in Martin Mayhew to handle, quote, unquote, special assignments, whatever that may mean. And I often wondered if Martin Mayhew had stayed around, if he would have succeeded Jerry Reese as general manager. Now, Martin Mayhew only lasted one year before he went to the 49ers. I wonder if the Giants, who are known for craving stability, not that you can say that they, they're they in a stable uh, condition right now, given all the losing, but I wonder if that might not be the the approach that they take. Maybe bring somebody in to, I don't want to say help Gettleman, but kind of put another voice into the mix. Because Gettleman, I think, has had a mixed bag as far as his performance goes. His drafts haven't been bad. Um, but some of his free agent decisions have been head scratchers. His trade for Leonard Williams, I mean, I've, I've dissected that a million different ways, and I'm sure there's something, an angle I haven't looked at, but I can't make heads or, or tails as far as sense out of that thing. So it's going to be interesting, but my guess is, is that Gettleman will stay, Shermer will go. It's going to be either way in a very, very, very interesting offseason. And and really, there's going to be no offseason when you have this much uh, turmoil at the top of an organization. And it looks like both of us are going to have major questions if major changes aren't made uh, at the very least. And it'll keep us both busy. As always, Patricia, this has uh, been a blast getting to learn about the Giants from you and the perspective from your side. And uh, always have fun catching up with you, my friend. Same here, always. And that's going to do it for us right here on Crossover Wednesday. Thanks to Patricia Trana. Have a great Wednesday and rest of your week. I'm Chris Russell. Adios.